Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the Confidence Mastery Podcast, Charlie. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, my first question, I'm just going to jump in, because when I was re-listening to an interview I did a little while ago, my first question was, why did you de- decide to come on the podcast? I like you. Yay! Yeah, that was the main reason why. <laughs> I, I can't remember how or why we connected, um, but I know we did connect on Instagram, and I just like your energy, I think. I think that's, that's the most... The, the, that's the most honest answer I can give you, actually. Thank and then you. Obviously, since getting to know you a little bit, I've yeah. had to park the fact that you're a Millwall fan and just put that to one side. Well, I've had to park the fact that you're a West Ham fan. Okay, so, so you know, yeah. everyone has to compromise somewhere. Yeah, we do, yeah. <laughs> do you want to give people a little bit of an insight into who you are? I like when people to do that. I think you'll tell it better than me. Um, we did connect on Instagram and there was a reason for that. So I would like you to... <laughs> you, want to you want me to lean into that one? <laughs> yeah. um, okay, well, most people, if anyone knows me at all, will know me for quitting the Conservative Party live mm-hmm. on the BBC yeah. over COVID. Yeah. And I used to work for, for them for quite a while, and I found the measures they were taking with Plan B and, and vaccine passports and mandatory vaccination to be mm-hmm. going way too far. So I kind of made my my mark on the world, shall we say, by doing that. Um, that got me on, into a few headlines for a few days, yeah. which I quite How did it feel doing enjoyed. that? You enjoyed um, do you enjoy, you enjoy the, the notoriety? The, the, the thought that I might have done something worthwhile yeah. was the thing that kind of got me Good. through that because when I did it, I thought, oh, what have I just done? Because it wasn't like I had preordained it. It wasn't like I thought, I know what I'm going to do today. Yeah. Um, I literally got asked to go on the BBC to talk about it. And I thought, I think the BBC thought I was going to be very much pro the measures and pro Boris and pro mm-hmm. everything. And I just, in a there. roundabout way, I kind of tipped them bollocks and I said, I'm not having it. I can't be bothered with all this. So, um, obviously I'll put it in a very, a much more polite way. Than yeah, the BBC wouldn't like that. Especially not live. Um, <laughs> but afterwards I thought, okay, I'm going to get some, local attention yeah it was then when i went on my computer and saw an email from the local paper then i got an email from gb news then it was sky news then it was breitbart then it was the times then it was and it all kind of happened within like half an hour 45 minutes and i was looking at all these names and these where they're from and and i thought okay i've i've kind of done something here and i think the week after I did that, you had 100 and 110 or so MPs rebel against the government on some of their plans. And I thought, I may not get any credit for any of this, but I could have been that first That's, that first yeah. snowball, you know, that kind of turned it into the avalanche that, yeah. that kind of brought down Boris, Do I guess. Do you think that there was a lot of people already thinking what you were and weren't brave enough to speak out about it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I tried to get the Conservative Party yeah. internally to, to change the way they were conducting themselves mm-hmm. over covid and I was met with so much, uh, it was a mixture of party loyalty, as in Boris has said so, so this is what we shall do. Mm. And, well, we know this isn't right, but, you know, we've kind of got a title and we've kind of got a job and we've kind of got things that we want to hold on to, mm-hmm. which is far more important than thinking that me, the conspiracy theorist, could be right. And... Um, 
as, as it turns out, I was right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't the only one involved in trying to make the government see sense. Far from it. I mean, I was probably quite late to the party in terms of impact. But, um, you know, internally, they just, it was either, yeah, we know you're right, but we don't want to say anything. Or we don't even care that you're right. This is what we've been told to do. And I couldn't abide by that. No. no. When do you think that there was a moment that you were like, this, this is all bollocks? Yeah. When they started talking about vaccinating children. Right. It was then that I thought, for the whole period of time, we've been told that these vaccines are not suitable for kids. Yeah. And then you've got two ministers in Parliament talking Mm -hmm. about giving them to children. And the more I researched it and the more I looked into it, I realised that the government had the power or talking about having the power to overall parental rights. So if say, for example, your child was offered a vaccine and you as a parent said no, Mm. and the government thought the kid should have it, they would mediate with the school. So the school would talk to your child and say, little Billy, little Sally, do you want to have this injection? It's really good for your health. You know, you might get a lollipop at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, okay, Missy, I'll take it. And then if the child comes home with the school's blessing and says he wants the vaccine, but the parent doesn't want the vaccine, the child will with the school's coercion, would win out. Yeah. And I found that to be the most disgusting, the most... Same. Yeah, yeah. it was It was vile. It yeah. was absolutely vile. And there's no way that I would ever let anyone come near my child with, an, with, any, with anything yeah. without my say-so. Never. It's not right. It's no, just it's not, not. not the right thing to do. It's like, what you hold on, you're not allowed to vote, but you can decide what you put into your body? Yeah. That was, that was what got me as well. And I think the thing that kind of put... Well, before that... For me, it was they opened the gyms after the pubs. And mm-hmm. if it's really all about health, why can I go and get shit face, but I can't go to the gym? And you love the gym. I love the gym. You love the gym. I do. Yeah. <laughs> so. I used to love the gym. <laughs> <laughs> what, stopped, what stopped the love of the gym? Uh, do you know what? I had a target right. and I hit my target and I felt like I was on top. Right. And I fell off because I just kind of you fell did. back into old habits of eating junk, sugar, right. And I just kind of, I, what, what it was, I was so, I got so motivated to, to look a certain way by a certain date yep. that when I did it, I was like, right, I'm, I'm king of the world. I can do what I want now, you know? Yep. And then I realized the gradually, didn't happen overnight, obviously, but gradually I kind of went downhill. The weight started come, coming back on. And then I thought all that effort I made and it took me no effort to get this big again. <laughs> so I just, it was it's so demoralizing when you fall off the wagon like that, but Get back on the wagon. I have to. Yeah. You'll have to train me. Um, She's like, uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't train people anymore, that's no. all. But I can take you to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've, I've, I'm actually doing a launch next week and one of the competition prizes is an hour in the gym with me. Is that it? That, yeah, one. Because otherwise people won't be able to walk. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the videos and I've seen the pictures, so I don't, yeah. I don't doubt it. No, I'm, I'm a bit of a beast. So, yeah. Yes. But it's good fun. I, I do enjoy it. Um, but it's having that kind of routine and the discipline to do things, which makes life better for me. Like I used to think that freedom was about doing what you want when you want, mm. but actually having some discipline and routine actually gave me more freedom. It does. Yeah. It does. I mean, I used to be that guy that would um, take Tupperwares everywhere. Uh-huh. And I was proper on it because I just thought, if I don't have food prep, 
I will look at the golden arches on the motorway <laughs> and be straight, straight in the drive-through. I'll be going into Marks and Spencer's at the BP garage on the way home from wherever I'm driving from. And, you know, having that, um, that preparation just prevented me from, from falling off. And it, it does help. It but does. It does matter. It's 20, 80, 20. Yeah. I mean, some people think it's restrictive, but I actually saw it as, as uh, quite liberating in a way despite the fact that I don't really do too much of it now. <laughs> but you know you've got the skills to be able to if you wanted to. The skills? The skills to be able to, because it, it is a skill to be able to go to the gym, to do the meal prep, to take it with you, to say no. Oh, yeah, 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 I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that I like the idea of it and I think I'm kind of slowly edging more back that way. But, Set yeah. yourself a new goal, a new deadline. But I like boozing, just like you. I like I like going down the pub. I like I like enjoying it a little bit. Then, then that allows you to do those things. Yeah, that's part of my kind of ethos about it. Yeah, you know, I can I can eat this because I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't I don't advocate like fully being undisciplined, but mm. every now and then you need a blow. So, talking of, you also do DJing, right? I do. So, what was when when did that come from? Well, when I first got involved in music, yeah. I wanted to be a singer, and that's right. what I did for uh, for many years. And the DJing side of things became an extension of that because after a while, I kind of got tired of singing the same songs in the same style. Because yeah. the thing that I used to do, I was more swing, Michael Bublé, Frank Sinatra. That's the kind of that's the kind of lane that I found myself yeah. in. I did want to be an R and B singer. <laughs> But I felt like the swing stuff kind of suited my voice a little yeah. bit more. So I ran with that. And um, yeah, like I said, after a while, I kind of got a little bit tired of it. And I realized that every family part, every time I got inside a friend's car, every time there was something going on, give Charlie the auxiliary cable, give Charlie the like the control. And I was at a wedding and I was performing there. And one of my friends turned up and he said, I've just bought a nightclub. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. So I let him get off his chest what he'd achieved and everything he was doing, his excitement, everything else. And then I said to him, so when's my first night? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, at the club, like, when are you going to get mm-hmm. me on? He was like, can you even DJ? I said, of course I can. I'm mustard. <laughs> and he went, and all right, I'll give, you, I'll give you a shot. I'd never touched a deck in my life <laughs> at this point. <laughs> That's I, confidence. Yeah, well, do you know what it was? I read a book. Um, I can't remember what, what the book was called. It was Richard Branson's Autobiography. And I believe he said in the book, um, always say yes and then learn how to do it in the meantime. Yeah. So that's basically what I did. I said, give me a go. Yep. And then in the meantime, I learned how, how to, to do, do it. it. However, saying that, when I did turn up on the first night, I was awful. <laughs> like, I was tragic. And I had like another DJ with me to kind of like back Pick me up, up right. who, I was, who I was basically working with. He had far more experience in the club scene than I did. And... Um, yeah, he kind of saved me on on that night, and then it was like, right, I need to really no, kind of like smash learn. this now because yeah. I'm I'm my first ever DJ gig is in a proper nightclub, and I've got no right to be here, <laughs> you know. So that equally, like this, obviously, this podcast is called Confidence Mastery, yeah. and a lot of people they wouldn't go and say yes and then learn how to do it after, and so you had the confidence to go, yeah, I'm going to do this. Mm. So you had earned the right because <sighs> although you hadn't had the experience, your attitude gave you the right to be there i just i just always believed that the, like everything you want is held by somebody else 
Like anything you want to achieve mm. is behind someone else's yes or a no. And I've never been afraid of being told no because no is the same position you're in now. Mm-hmm. So with him giving me that night, it spurred me on to actually earn my stripes because I knew that I was a chancer. Yeah. But I thought, well, I can't let him down. And then from that, I went on to DJing at the London Stadium. I've DJed at festivals. I've DJed on boat parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that is confirmation that I was right to take that chance. You know, but obviously, I believed I could do it. I yeah. wouldn't just go and say, "Oh, you know, what you, you're having heart problems." Well, I can carve you up and help you out there. Like I'm not going to be ridiculous with it. But yeah. you know, there's there's many things that people. I've had this so many times. People say, "What is it exactly that you do?" And I go, I do everything, baby. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why? Like, why don't you pick one thing and, and run with that one thing? Because that's boring. Mm-hmm. That's boring. I don't want to do just one thing. I wanna, if I want to sing, I want to go and sing. If I want to go and do a party, I want to go yeah. and do a party. If I want to go and talk about politics on TV, I yeah. want to go and talk about politics on TV. What got so, you into that bit? What, the politics? Yeah. Um, probably having the confidence to speak my mind, yeah. actually. Um, when I was at school... I used to always have debates with my teachers because obviously the kids didn't have a grasp mm-hmm. at all. I mean, most kids don't really, even these days, have a grasp on politics and, and the way the world is supposed to, to work and then how it really works. Um, and the amount of conversations I had with my teachers, one of them said to me, I think you should go and become a youth MP, which to me was like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And... Because I was probably more cynical as a child than I am now. And that's really saying something. Uh, okay. Yeah. And he said, well, go and do it have, and see how you feel. And I went to this, this thing at Parliament and the, we were in a meeting with all these other children and they, we, the, it was hosted by a, a minister's junior, junior assistant or someone that was completely irrelevant, really. Right. And I thought, what's the point in being here? They're, they're not going to take our comments back. They're not going to do anything with this. And... Um, I left it where it was and I got approached a couple of times to join the Conservatives as I got older and I only took the plunge when I was maybe 29, 30-ish because I felt like I'd had a life. I'd I'd run a business by that point. I had a daughter. I'd actually done something with my life which wasn't just I've gone to university and got a politics degree and now I think I'm Mr Prime Minister which a lot of them do Um, I actually did something and I felt like I had something a perspective now you know which could could be valued and I just ran with it and felt like I could make a difference and then I realised that the machine of politics is not geared for change it's geared for repetition Mm -hmm. you know there's nothing nothing really changes I mean you can vote for Labour you can vote with the Conservative Party and it will be two sides of the same coin, sadly. Mm-hmm. So do you think there's no way to change what's going on? I was having this conversation with someone the other night. Like, you can, you can change will. it, but it, but it requires it, it requires financial will to do it. Mm. Nothing works without money. No. And to get to a point where the most successful party in, in the history of politics, the Conservatives, they're long established, they're deep-rooted. I mean, they're... They're probably, you know, just as relevant to the fabric of this country as the monarchy is. And to say that you're going to try and ruin their party and ruin, like, mm-hmm. you know, ruin their um, grip on control, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to do. I think if you get proportional representation, you you will see changes because there will be no alternative but 
yeah. change if you get that. But it requires people with money to finance that. It's the same thing with, with everything, you know. The reason why people rushed out the door to vote one way or the other over Brexit was because of the financial push involved in, in either argument. And the same with COVID, the same with climate change, all of these things are pushed by big money. Mm-hmm. So to get political change, you're going to need... A lot of money. Some deep pockets. And who wants to spend on that? I think there should be people that are willing to spend on it, though. Because the, the, the system's broken. Or well, actually, it's not. It works just how it's supposed to. Yeah, the system works for the people but that have the power. But it's broken for the citizens. Yeah. But if, you've, if you are a multinational company or if you have your, you know, your claws in the back of a politician or, yeah. or a big organisation which is influential, would you want to pay for change when you can get everything you want? Everything you want, no. You wouldn't want to pay for it, would you? So I think it, it requires um, some foresight and I don't think that when money's involved, people care about foresight. They care about bottom lines and that's it. Yeah, it's all about the profit. Yeah, of course. Um, but it's like the, the Together Declaration. Yeah. And they've got a shit ton of money behind them. But they've come together and people know who they are and they've made change. I mean, they, they were who I was thinking about when I said that I was kind of late to the party and kind right. of trying to influence things in the country. But um, Alan... And um, and Norris, I mean, they're fantastic people. I mean, I've met them a few times now. And, uh, you know, Richard Taylor, who um, is a friend of mine as well, he, they've, all, they've all done things which I think are, is incredibly admirable. But they're still, not, they're still not in, like, the front of mind. They're mm-hmm. still pushing. Mm. But they're not, you know, when you say together, declaration, you and I know about that because we, are having, we have a keen interest in the the skullduggery that we've been put through for the past yep. few years. Whereas Joe Public will read a BBC News headline and that's mm-hmm. as far as their news goes. Yeah. And that's it. BBC News don't talk about together. You no. know, Sky News won't talk about together. Fit. The only the only places that I see um, Alan Miller on is GB News, mm. which is great he's, that he's got a, a regular platform to talk about this on because I think GB News is great. Yeah. Um, but it's not enough to kind of influence the kind of changes that that we need, unfortunately. And the, the BBC definitely aren't going to talk about it because they're like government no, propaganda the BBC machine, aren't they? No, they won't do anything. No. They're, they're so woke as well. They'll never do anything that will, that will go against get, the trajectory get, that get we're already on. on Have you seen, I saw today, um, America's uh, badge for the World Cup. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, the thing that, that bothers me about the World Cup and, and the, the virtue signalling around it is that... Even in this country, the Shard has got Qatari investment. Barclays Bank has got Qatari investment. So how many people do you know that want to take pictures inside the Shard? I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, every week I see someone having dinner at the Shard. And how many people do you know or possibly know that bank with Barclays? Mm-hmm. And those would be the same people that complain about the World Cup. Personally, I think that the World Cup is an example of what we were just talking about when it comes to, to big money and... and things not changing mm-hmm. because you will get um, the USA team change their logo to the rainbow flag. You will get the England football team maybe wearing a rainbow armband. Um, but what difference does that make if you're going to go and take the money from a country that would kill you for being gay mm-hmm. or would not allow you to do the things that you can do over here, have the liberty to do what you do over here? I find it all hypocritical, which is why I won't watch the World Cup this year. 
because I think if the England football team and the Premier League mm-hmm. and all these um, people can kneel every every five seconds during a football game and wear armbands and everything else and then go to a country which doesn't like anyone that you're trying to support at home, mm-hmm. what's Does the point it, of doing it? The There's point. no point. And I know they're going to try and do something, something of a gesture. They will try and do something. Um, but what's the point in making a gesture like that it's insignificant, really? It is insignificant. It, it is. It should be, okay, we're not going to do it. We're not going to go. Yeah. Like the Brewdog anti-sponsor campaign. I don't know if that was just a bit of PR, but they did a where the anti-fuck-up, um, not the World Cup, fuck-up, um, yeah. and said that all of their their profits are going to whatever charity it was, I can't remember, to help with all of the issues that happened in like Qatar. Yeah, I mean, good luck with that. But then that was a big PR stunt as well. Yeah, good luck with that. I mean, the Qatari um, royal family have come out, I think, today and yesterday and said that despite the fact that Budweiser have the biggest endorsement deal at the World Cup, you can't buy beer. So in the stadiums now, you can buy Bud Zero, like non-alcoholic Budweiser, but you can't actually buy any alcohol now. So if if people think that going over there and taking a knee and wearing an armband is going to make any bit of difference... They've lost their mind. See, I didn't know that. You learn yeah. something every day. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people have lost their mind, though. Yeah, they have. I mean, I remember, um, uh, I, I can't, cannot remember which minister it was, but a minister gave advice and said that if you are um, going to the World Cup and you, and you happen to be um, gay, you know, perhaps respect the Qatari culture. And I think, I'm, it's not verbatim, I'm just kind of paraphrasing. Yeah. And... I think he, he got a lot of backlash for that. I think it might have been James Cleverly, I'm not too sure. Manner of speaking in regards to people that think that having an electric car is going to make a blind bit of difference to oh God, no. climate change because mm-hmm. how is electricity made? Uh-huh, I know. And then you have to charge your car with, with the, exactly. the end product of how it's made. So, you know, I, I use that word in the context of you, you're dumb if you think that's yep. going to make any difference. They really do. They've bought into it. Yeah, they do, it's yeah. Like, the brainwashing is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, it's really clever marketing. It is. All of it. And I learned a lot from watching the government and the news and how to market over the past two and a half years because it was just so good. Repetition. This is why, even though people understand they've been lied to, they will still tune into the BBC and to Sky News and to CNN in America, wherever, wherever you get your news from. You will always go back there because you, you find the logo to be comforting. Mm-hmm. The same thing we mentioned about going McDonald's, mm-hmm. driving home from somewhere. Everybody knows the McDonald's is full of shit. Mm-hmm. We all know that, but you've seen their marches everywhere, so you trust it. Yeah. That's the key to branding. Mm-hmm. Like McDonald's, Coca-Cola, PlayStation. Um, these firms, I associate them all with football. Mm-hmm. They're always advertising somewhere at football. Yeah. Alcohol at football stadiums, yep. gambling at gambling, football stadiums. Yep. Are any of these healthy? No. No? No. But you've got footballers who will not touch it, who will not drink it, who will not go to McDonald's. But you get marketed to in a sport environment you should play video games yep. eat shit, eat shit get beer. drunk and waste yeah. your money yeah well it goes back to like Roman times or even before you know give give them bread and something to do something to watch and yeah. they'll comply yeah. yeah that's it yeah so that's, that's what we do yeah. I mean I love football and I associate football with beer mm-hmm. and gambling because it is that it is like it, 
it goes hand in hand. But I wouldn't do that every day. No. No, but you see how the you said about how the marketing works. It's mm. it's the constant repetition of Yeah. Okay. Why do you think Ed Sheeran's so popular? Just to make it a little bit more nuanced. Ed Sheeran is so popular because he's on every five seconds on every radio station everywhere. Because you hear him all the time. If you were given Ed Sheeran's album as a first listen, mm. I don't think you'd say his music is bad. I think a lot of people might say that they like Ed Sheeran's music. But when you're when it's been thrust down your throat every mm-hmm. five seconds, do you have a choice but to like it? No, or you you, you end up singing along. Yeah. Because even then you're like, what am I singing along to? Hold on a minute. Yeah. I don't even like this song. And it's, even as even like as a DJ, and I should yeah. be kind of like playing up to what the crowd wants most of the time. I will listen to what goes on in the charts, and I'll listen to what goes on, um, like on Spotify, which one's doing the most numbers, and I'll yeah. think these songs are shit. These are terrible. Right. Like, but they're doing numbers. So you kind of got to play along. So, um, I think that, yeah, repetition, definitely repetition is, is how the best way to get things across. But again, that takes money as well. It so, like, well, it takes yeah. money, but it, it takes like being consistent mm. is where you get results. And that's what I teach my clients as well. You know, consistency equals success. Like the more you do something, the better you'll get at it. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree so, with that. you know, you have to, you have to put the graft in yeah. to achieve what you want. Like if you hadn't started DJing in the beginning and you wouldn't have, you wouldn't got to where you are now because you no. haven't been, you wouldn't have been practicing. That's right. I wouldn't have been. No. And now I love it. Like yeah. I think people look at me when I'm at work and I, and I'm, and I don't realize sometimes the environment that I'm in because I get so invested in the next mix or the next yeah. song or what I'm going to do next that before I know it, I've, I've done half the night just kind of like in my head. In your doing, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. But I like it. I enjoy it. I, I enjoy seeing people have fun. I, I like being the the architect of someone's night. You know, yeah. I like having the control of being able to change your mood. It's not, <laughs> it, sound, it sounds a bit... It does sound a bit dark, but yeah, I not, understand not, what you mean. It's not dark. Yeah. When, when, you, when you can bring people up to a point where you can spin a track off and you can play the opening few seconds of another song and they go crazy for you. Mm-hmm. It's euphoric. The feeling you get, yeah. it can't be beat. Not in my experience, it cannot be beat. Even when I was singing and people liked enjoying me do that, mm. getting thousands of people in front of you yeah. to go, oh my God, like that. There's nothing better than that. Nothing better than that. And to bring them down again, yeah. to like to kind of give, give them that up, drop it real slow and sexy and they yeah. kind of vibe with that as well. You, it's just, It's just brilliant. It's great. So I can get, I can understand that. I can get on board with that. And yeah. you, you see the way people behave, like their behaviour change. Yeah. Over the course of a night as well. Yeah. That's interesting. Never thought about it like that. So I just stick a song on and go. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I plan everything out. So every every, every job I do, yeah. I don't have a um, I don't have a set list, but I have a formula. Right. So I like to be able to to see how successful it is on each different night. Because you can always tell if you've got to mix it up a little bit, but there's always things that I would include in the night to take us up to that point there and then bring them right back down yeah. where they don't complain. Because people, when you go fast and go slow, you, it needs to be a, a slow banger. Like if you're going to play some garage, for example, yeah. and you come out of that and you think, right, I need to bring it down. You can play Pony by Genuine at any event. It, and that's like a yeah. that's a slow tune. Yep. It's not really that quick, and you can play that anywhere, 
and the reaction from the women. Oh God, yeah. Unreal. <laughs> Un- you know, like, yeah, you know, even you know, right? It's true. And the thing is, is the key to being a good DJ, in my opinion, yeah. is controlling the mood of the women. Mm-hmm. Because the women will dance. Yep. The men will watch. The men may join the dance, but if the women are dancing, you're happy. And if the men are watching you dance, they're happy. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's, that's the perfect balance. You need to, you need to play to, to women mostly. And that, that's really how you win, yeah. I think. In my well, experience, But that's at least. why they let the women in the clubs. Yeah, of course. Because that brings the men in. Yeah, like, that, absolutely. That is, and like, people see a problem with that. I don't see a problem with that. No. It works. No, it does work. Yeah, of course if it does. If it's not broke, don't fix it. It's like when you go to clubs and, you, and you're met by a hostess, it's always a beautiful girl. Mm-hmm. Because girls like being around other women that are beautiful. And men love beauty. Mm-hmm. So again, it's a, it's a formula that works. Well, it's that experience as well, isn't it? You're creating an experience and, in a, and having beautiful people around. Yeah. It makes for a nicer experience. Yeah, of course it does. Because yeah. everybody wants to look at something nice. Yeah. And anyone who says they don't is a liar. Yeah, they are a liar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Can, do you think that you can apply that kind of logic to real, not that DJing is not real life, it is real life. I mean, the day to day, because going out for the night is an experience and a memory mm-hmm. to have if people don't get too drunk. Yeah. Um, but like in a day-to-day, how could you apply that to normal life? You mean playing up to women? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> but like controlling the mood or behaviours of people, because I see a lot of similarities in what you've just said there about DJing and what the government have been doing and controlling the, the mood and the flavour of people through the fear-mongering, through that repetition, through getting that, you know, that's in your mind. Is it positive, be, though? Be said, that isn't positive, no. No, I think humans are, are wired to be drawn to drama. Mm. That's why you have shows like The Kardashians that are so successful. That's why you have Love Island, which is so successful, Big Brother. These kind of reality-based shows. Love Island, they didn't want me. They want you, no? Why? <laughs> I think I'm too controversial for them. That's what they need. I know that's what they that's need. What, that's what they need. Honestly, I did a post. I said, should I apply for Love Island? Everyone was like, yes, yes, I'll watch it. If you go on it, that's what they need. And they did not Did want they it. tell you why they said no. no? They just said no? No. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. I want to apply again. You'd be, you, you, well, they've got Big Brother coming out. You should apply for that. I should apply for Big Brother. You should. Why not? Okay. St- I think they're still doing applications now. Right. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. I'll apply for Big Brother. <laughs> they, well, but they do like controversy. They Big need brother. it. Yeah, Big Brother might over yeah, Love Island. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what makes it engaging. People, I think you throw anything negative out there, people are like, oh, what's the, what's the drama? What's the tea? I need to find yeah. out what's going on. It's like when you see a car crash. Everyone slows down. Everyone slows down. You think there's a massive traffic jam up ahead, but there isn't. It's just people gawping at the, the crash on the other side of the yeah. road. And that's how we're wired. Things that are positive outside of stimulation mm. in terms of what you said about music um, and you segued into like how the government used their tools to change your mood and things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, that's real life emotion. You know, the government are actually making you feel a certain way and you, you're drawn to it because it's, it's fear. Mm-hmm. Once, you can, once you have people in, in a state of fear, you can control them very easily. Mm-hmm. Think about how many people that you knew who were so afraid of getting COVID, about not getting a jab, about walking out the house without a mask because they thought, if I don't, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And that, that control, I believe, was 
the fast track to what is coming now with central banking, digital currencies, and having everything connected yeah. to your ID, but just Keep online. Terrifying. And I mean, I had, I had this conversation with one of my friends and he called me a bit of a nutter because I said, this whole push for electric vehicles is not so we can save the planet per se. It is so they can control whether you drive or not. Mm-hmm. And how far you can no, go. No, 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 they won't do that. I how said, far Bro. you can go as well. I was like, let's think about all new modern cars. They're all connected to some sort of phone network or Wi-Fi, whatever it is. Do you not think that they would have something in the car which says they can turn it off and stop of you from going somewhere? Or, and once you get that connected with the CBDCs and your ID is connected to your money directly and everything about you is connected to you mm-hmm. on some big database somewhere that the government can reprogram as mm-hmm. and when they feel like it and you write something on Twitter they don't like, what do you think they're going to do? Turn the car off. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what, exactly what they do in China. Yeah. And, and even India. Yeah, you can't even book a plane ticket if your score is red. Yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> and a lot of people don't know this, but our beloved new Prime Minister, Rashid Sanuk, as Joe Biden calls him. Um, <laughs> he's something else, isn't he? His father-in-law owns a company called Infosys, mm-hmm. which does a similar system to what China has, but in India. Mm-hmm. So Rishi Sunak's father-in-law owns a company that controls all of India's social benefit system, their credit system, everything mm-hmm. is connected via this system that his father-in-law runs. So ask yourself this, you've got a guy who, who's prime minister now who has a, has a combined family wealth of beyond anything you can count. Mm-hmm. Why would you want the stress of a, of a 180 grand a year job to be prime minister? Uh-huh. And people don't think of it like that because they think, oh, come on, you just, you just, you're, it's another conspiracy theory. You're just trying to bring him. I don't like, no, no. I, I don't need to bring him down. This was, this was preordained a long time ago. Why do you think they wanted Boris gone so much? Mm-hmm. So they could bring in the next. So they could bring in another puppet. Yep. Liz Truss was not their chosen candidate. That was. That was the decoy. I think, I think they, they gave the Conservative Party members a chance to vote for somebody right. and they thought they'd get Rishi. It's the same thing with Brexit. They all thought that Remain would win. Mm-hmm. And then when Remain lost, they will shit themselves. It's the same thing with Liz Truss. What, Rishi, Remain, didn't win. Right, we need to try and get rid of her then. Mm-hmm. We need to get Rishi in. And now he's in. You'll see, you'll see. Mark my words, I reckon. I see it. Yeah. I'm like, you're preaching to the choir. Like, (laughs) yeah. Because I've heard people say that, oh, we need someone with that kind of wealth because he knows how to run a business and the country needs to be run like a business. I do agree with the principle of running the country like a business because if the government was run like a real corporation, we'd have been shut down by now. (laughs) The world would be, I don't know. But. I just, I, I see the, the benefit from that side. But when you look into all the connections and what's coming, and it was it was July last year that he said about the digital currencies. Mm, yeah. So yeah. people seem to have forgotten this. And then they're praising. It's because you're not told. The repetition isn't there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't suit the government or the media to keep repeating the fact that they're about to take over your whole life. Mm-hmm. That's why nowadays, if I go to a, a place of business, whether it be a pub just a general shop, whatever, I will always try to spend cash. Mm -hmm. And when they say, oh, we don't accept cash, 
I will leave Leave. if I haven't already ordered something. Mm -hmm. I will say, right, I'll go somewhere else. I had this, even before all of this happened, um, there's a bar at London Bridge and I was trying to pay cash. They're like, we only take card. I'm like, but I've got cash. Yeah. And I left there and I had a word with the manager as well. And I was like, but this is legal tender. You can't not take it. And then I thought, actually, do I want to be in here anyway? No. So I left. I've never been back. Yeah. See, COVID set this up. Yeah. Because it's like, we don't want you to spend money because... Dirty. It'll it pass on it'll pass on the virus mm. that you can still get through that, that mask face mask and the vaccine face. that doesn't work. You know, but don't worry, yeah. tapping will save you. What do you think about this amnesty? What you mean giving <laughs> the media and the politicians a pass for for lying to us? No, I think I think I think that people need to come out and apologise and I don't just mean a collective apology I think every single person that advocated for lockdowns for um, for telling you you were going to kill your nanny if you went and saw her for not going to your family's funeral for not going to your family's wedding mm-hmm. for not seeing you know maybe people who have got um, split homes not seeing your children for their birthdays the damage that all does to the psyche of a family is far more reaching than people will acknowledge right now because mm-hmm. it's still still close to when it happened but it won't resonate just yet for some it will obviously but for many it won't just yet when that happens people will then look at politicians a completely different way but those politicians that made those decisions by that time Mm. will probably have moved on probably won't be in a job anymore probably doing speeches for a bank like Barclays (laughs) getting Qatari money um, while saying that Qatar is bad Uh so I think that an amnesty for people that lied to us is a no-no. Mm-hmm. They should all have to apologise and they should all be punished in the same way we were. Which might sound harsh because some people may have been ignorant with good intention. Mm. But many weren't. And if it takes, you know, a working class pleb like me and people like me to be able to read between the lines two years before the government said, oh, hold well, on a minute, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah then that tells me that that was done on purpose. Because there's no way with all their money, all their resources, they did not know the things that we knew. 100%. They, they knew. They yeah. knew I, I believe they knew exactly what they were doing mm. and they went ahead with it anyway. Like, it's all been planned. <laughs> like you said, with, with Rishi coming in. This, this comes full circle back yeah. to being about confidence mm-hmm. and having the confidence to own your own thoughts. Yeah. People don't have that confidence. No. They have this... That's what I want to help people to do. Yeah, they don't have... The, the, the ability to be able to be critical and own your own criticism of others despite the fact you are going to get backlash. Mm. You are going to get people say you're crazy. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. That's okay because whilst you're not being crazy and you're thinking for yourself, they're going to read the news. Mm-hmm. And then on a Sunday over lunch, they're going to say, I don't know why I read the news, all bollocks. Mm-hmm. And then on Monday morning, they're going to say, fucking hell. Guess what I saw in the paper today? And it goes round and round and round and round again. I would prefer it if people were able to look at the news, watch, read the same story that's printed in the Daily Mail and then read the different take of the same story in The Guardian mm-hmm. and then read between the lines. That's what I do with most of the news. And then nine times out of ten, I'll say, that's all bollocks anyway. <laughs> most of it is. Yeah. But it's having that ability <clears throat> to think, okay, well, th- why, why should I just believe that? Because it's printed there. And then compare it to something else and talk about it. Mm. I find a lot of people don't want to talk about it. 
Like, okay. I had this with a neighbour, and she said about... Oh, <laughs> I'm sure I've said this on here before. Um, she wanted me to do a test to go to the pub. And I just flat out refused. And I said, do you realise the ridiculousness of your request? Mm. Because you're going to see vulnerable people, but you were going to be in a pub with people that you don't know, and you still want me to do it. And I was like, no. So I you know, tried to explain, and then I said, All right, well, we'll just meet another time as long as I don't have to prove my health to you. Um, and then she said about just not talking about this kind of thing. And I said, but I want to. I want to talk to you about it and understand why mm. you believe the things that you do so that I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Because I'm, I want to understand people, but a lot of, a lot of others don't. And she just want to shut the conversation down. Tolerance is a one-way street. Mm. It's always a one-way street. People are tolerant for as long as you go along with the message. Mm -hmm. The moment you give an, a differing opinion, they don't want to talk to you anymore. Your friend... I don't want to talk about this no more. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you offer opposition. Mm -hmm. You offer them an opportunity to think and they don't want to think. They'd rather just tell you that you're wrong. Yeah. One thing I would say about COVID and the, the effect of it ending proves the point about how you can't trust the media because the day Russia invaded Ukraine, oh, COVID disappeared. COVID disappeared. Mm -hmm. And that sounds cynical, but it did. But it did. Mm -hmm. Before that happened, we were still being told, maybe you should still wear a mask. Maybe you should get your booster. Not maybe. I mean, I, I'll get texts. I reckon I've had, the last time I counted, I had 41 text messages from the NHS telling me to get injected. 40, bloody hell. 41. And I've had more since then. This was a few months ago. And I posted a tweet about it. Yeah. And um, 41. That's insane. If you haven't had it by now, you're not going to have it. Yeah. But then, <laughs> but, I mean, since... That's since, the other side of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the push, this is a constant push. Get your jab, get your booster, get your jab, get your booster. But since Russia have invaded Ukraine and you've had all that going on, the Texas have slowed down, mm. the push for it has slowed down. You don't hear about it in the news anymore. All of a sudden, the most deadly, contagious, life-threatening disease of all time... It's gone. gone. It's just vanished. Mm. It's incredible, that. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. It's like when the media don't write about something, it suddenly becomes unimportant. Mm -hmm. Incredible. <laughs> this is why things like podcasts and alternative news outlets are important. They are, yeah. Because, you know, even if it's not listened to by millions or seen by millions, it gets to the people that it needs to get to and then they start speaking about it and that's where things grow from. Some of the biggest YouTube channels that I watch and podcasts that I listen to are big because they offer an alternative perspective and it's mm. not just copy and paste journalism. Yeah. So channels which I find funny and informative at the same time would be uh, Paul Joseph Watson. I think he's fantastic. Russell Brand. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's great as well. I used to hate him. He's fantastic. I used to absolutely hate him and now I don't. Yeah. And he's a West Ham fan as well. He is. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Get him on. Uh, I can try. You can try. I can try. Yeah. He'd probably want a bunch of money though. He might do. He might want a lot of money. When you get big. When I get bigger. That's it. I'll be like a fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I like I like those those channels because they offer um, humour with with an alternative look at what we're being told. Yeah. And that's just two examples. There's so many that I that I watch, but. 
I like those two the most purely because um, they give you that alternative. And again, I'll, I'll mention one of my friends, Maya Tusi. He has a channel which covers mainly British parliamentary political stuff. Right. But he doesn't put a spin on things. He says, you know, this is what the politician has said. This is what I think they mean. Yeah. I think they're talking shit. Uh-huh. I actually quite like this one. I don't like that one. I don't trust... You know, he's very much... Um, very much like someone that you can relate to because he will go down a pub with you and have a drink and talk about it, but he'll also go home and make 10 videos in a day about how Parliament is working. Mm-hmm. And that also gives you the the alternative side of it because he knows all of them mm-hmm. and he gets to talk to all of them and, he, and he's connected with many people that kind of give him you know, the inside scoop on things and he's able to say, well, Sky News have said this, but actually mm. this is what's happening. I mean, I think without his input on YouTube and his YouTube channel is huge, he started bringing a lot of light to the Iranian revolution that's going on in the country right now. And he was talking about that for at least four weeks before anyone oh, really? with, you know, a news title mm-hmm. covered that story. And, you know, credit to him. Mm-hmm. And that's the power of it. That's the power of that independent journalistic approach to... How have they not shut him down? Uh, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've got no idea. I'll ask him. I'll ask him and find out. Because like, obviously they've shut a lot of people down and then you have to start again. So that's interesting to know that he's still going. I'm sure, I'm sure that there have, been, there have been times where, you know, these channels have to censor themselves to assert I mean I think they have to just be clever about how they present things Mm. if you come across really blunt and do things like Alex Jones did in America or if you talk in a kind of very authoritative and brash way like Andrew Tate for example because that approach is kind of polarizing Mm -hmm. I quite like it mind you but um (laughs) if if people don't and they don't like the way it's being delivered, mm-hmm. that's where I think problems begin. But if you're polite with your approach, but you still say things in the, you know, you get the message yeah. across in the roundabout way the same, I think you avoid that. That's kind of what I've observed anyway. I don't know if that is the so, rule, but, well, you know, because I think people get banned for nothing most of the time. They do. Yeah. I've, I like Facebook bans. I've been on Facebook bans for ridiculous things. And that's not even from speaking out about what I believe and what I see. What's the most ridiculous thing you've been banned for? I got um, I got banned for calling someone a beast. Um, a beast. Yeah, for running fifty miles. Why was that a ban? Was that um, supposed to be like hateful language or bu- something? Bullying. Bullying. Yeah. Did the person you wrote it to think you were bullying? No, them? they even did a separate thing. So it's in this running group that I, I fucking hate running, but every December I run every day. Yeah. And this year I'm doing it in someone's t-shirt, a different t-shirt for someone's business every day. But this was last year, and I think I was on like day six, and the guy ran. No, it wasn't last year; it was the year before. And um, and he ran from where he lived to go watch football. And he ran for 50 miles. I was like, Jesus, like, that, you're a beast. Like, well done. Mm. It was a, a, a compliment. And they wouldn't overturn it. He said I wasn't offended at all. And everybody was like, oh, my God, no. Where's Natalie? Because I'm well known for complaining about how much I hate running in that group. <laughs> so but, did, you, did you get banned for the whole of December? I got banned for, it was six days um, and then 30 days in groups. Wow. Wow. <laughs> for giving someone a compliment. Yeah. I've had complaints um, from Instagram about some of the things that I've 
that I've shared and some of the things that I've shared have come from news outlets. So I I go, well, hold on a minute. Don't you guys work together? Mm-hmm. Why are you banning my post about what they've said? Um, I don't think I don't think social media is any way um, coherent in its policy about what's acceptable and what's not. No. I think it's I think it is political though. You don't really get many left lefty liberal types that get banned. No, you do not. No, I've no. never seen that. I could no. be wrong, but I don't see it. I haven't seen it. Think about all the people that have been banned so far that I'm aware of. Um, and I'm not advocating for these people. I'm just going to mention them. Um, Tommy Robinson's been banned. Kate Hopkins has been banned. Milo Yiannopoulos has been banned. Alex Jones has been banned. Um, Paul Joseph Watson has been banned from some networks. Andrew Tate has been banned from everything. Um, and these are just people that I'm thinking about just off the top of my head, which I think are quite prominent bands because mm-hmm. they had huge followings. And I always find it quite telling when people that have got big audiences are shut down. And you can agree or disagree with any of these people, but I do not believe anyone has the right to say that they cannot speak. Mm-hmm. And in the modern world, if you are not posting something on social media in the digital town square, mm-hmm. you don't exist. Mm-hmm. And that's not the reality because obviously you can walk out into the real world and go down the pub and meet real people. Yeah. But if you're trying to build a brand or a following or you're trying to um, create political change, which half of these people that I've mentioned yeah. are and were, how do you do that without the advent of social media? Because with that comes the banning from general legacy media. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're banned on Facebook... You're not getting invited on Sky. No. You're not getting invited on the BBC. No. You're not going to be invited on anything. So you become a nothing. And that's when you have um, alternative networks come up like Telegram and, and Signal and Rumble mm-hmm. and all these other networks, which I think offer a platform, but it's very niche because it's all all the band. It's all, it's the, all the, yeah. Yeah, it's all the band folks all that of go the, there. All of the stuff that you can't post on socials. But so you, you get, an, like you say, an alternative way to find news. But you're yeah. right. It's, it's kind of, well, it's not kind of sad. It's sad that you need this digital presence to, you know, for validation. Do you, do you go online for validation? No. So I, I, had, I have had this debate in my head of if I didn't go on social media ever again, would I be happy? Mm. Yes. Would I be happier than I am now? Yes. Yes. I would. So why did you go on social media? How else would you know me? Exactly. How else would how else would I be able to talk to people in a way which is relatable? If I go down the pub and tell my mates what I think about the world, Charlie's had a fucking drink again. Mm-hmm. It, it, it means nothing. Mm-hmm. It means nothing. So when you get people coming up to you and messaging you, I mean, the messages that I've had over the last 12 months has been unreal, the kind of things that I've been sent, lovely things, really mm-hmm. great things that I've been sent. Um, but no one would have that that feeling or or have their mind changed had they not seen me online, mm-hmm. you know, because as much as it's, okay, you did that on the BBC, most people know it because they saw it online. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where the world is going now. And I yeah. think my whole ambition with being outspoken and my aims for being outspoken is to get people to think properly, to look at things and say, does this make any sense? Yeah. And then work out if it does. Yeah. You know, and if it doesn't, fuck it off. 
And if it does, keep it moving. Yeah. You know, you have a choice. But I think that social media is is also geared for drama. Yeah. It isn't geared for positive. It isn't geared for... The positive for... posts never get as much... They don't. No. No, they don't. They don't. They don't. It's like I could, I could write... I could, if I wrote something really damning about what I've seen in the press or what I've seen on the news, that would get more love than if I said, you know, I rejoined the gym today. <laughs> I hope to see a post saying no, I'm going to do it just for you yeah, yeah, you're going to get tagged unbelievably <laughs> every time I go there if, if it don't get posted it didn't happen it didn't happen right? yeah exactly yeah. so I have to take a picture every day that's it but I recently started leaving my phone in the locker so I don't know if people believe what I still go to the gym when I oh no I've got one that's not connected okay yeah that's alright then yeah yeah <laughs> I know what I'm doing <laughs> no just saying <laughs> so what did you say to people that want to speak out now but they're not quite they're not getting themselves over the line what what advice could you give to the people that need a bit more confidence in themselves to speak out go self-employed first of all yeah that's a bit of a joke but yeah like <laughs> yeah i would say if you, if you if you if you have a job don't do it yeah if you have a job there's no point because everywhere you go now will will be monitored and woked up yeah. and everything else and uh they look at oh, your socials when you go for new jobs now, don't they? They do. They do. I went on a podcast a few months ago, um, and on this podcast, I said that if I was to apply for a PAYE job, mm. I'd never get it. No, I don't know. The only things I could go for would be some right wing or right of centre kind of like news outlet or something along those lines, mm. because I don't need any help getting uh, DJ work. I'd get that all, all the time, mm. but actually go for a real job at a bank for example mm. or you know anywhere which which has some sort of you know corporate structure i'd never get a job i'd never get a job you're not sad about that though are you no i'm not sad about no. it but it's just it's just it it doesn't fill me with much hope for the future because there aren't going to be people who are like us that aren't afraid mm-hmm. there are going to be people that don't have the ability to rely on something else yeah like if I never spoke about politics again, I'll always have work. I know yeah. that already. I'm not not concerned about it. But some people don't have that fallback. And when I look at children growing up nowadays, I think they're fucked. Once they get to 18, 19, 20, mm-hmm. stepping out into the world, having to stand on their own two feet, what are they going to do? Don't speak. Mm-hmm. If you see anything that you don't like, be quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's going to be the world they live in. And I would say that it takes a lot of courage for people to come out and say what's wrong with the world. But unfortunately, those that do will get shut down. So it takes a collective. I think you need to kind of like you need to roll around with like minded individuals and kind of agree that you will stick together. Yeah. It's easier said than done, mind you, because people are selfish intrinsically. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you, can, if you can gravitate towards people that are like-minded and aren't afraid, that's one step forward. But if you've got a job, forget it. Mm. There's no point. So go self-employed. <laughs> In a roundabout way, yeah, if, if you can. Yeah. If you can. I think there's always alternative ways to, to make money to live that you don't need to rely on the system, especially... If you want out of this, you know, universal basis, basic income mm. yeah. <laughs> that is coming, you know, you have to find other ways. Otherwise, like you say, you're fucked. In California, they're introducing a, uh, 
I'm remembering this from what I saw last night. Basically, it's uh, money. If you're transgender, you'll get an income for 18 months of a certain amount of money if you identify as being transgender in California. So, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if that comes to the UK, I'm going to be they, them until the money runs out, you know, because why not? Like, if I can just, you know, click my fingers and become, you know. I identify as, I mean, I could be a pancake tomorrow. You could be. You could be. Could be a pancake. Yeah. Do I get money for that? No. (laughs) this 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 is the world you live in now. This is what we all live in now. It's, if you identify something, you get to claim oppression you get to claim that you are under the the foot of the white man Mm -hmm. you know which is all bollocks Mm -hmm. as far as i'm concerned and what i say this to people quite often the further you get away from being a straight white male the more offended and outspoken you're allowed to be the closer you get to being a straight white male Mm, be quiet because if you say anything you will get dropped and i think that where I don't care, I say what I want. And, uh, you know, I can't really be, I'm not really that bothered about it. More people should be like that. They should be. Speak out. They should be. And I mean, I had, I had this very discussion on a, on a panel with the majority of the people that I was debating with, actually all of them from memory were all black telling me about white privilege. And I was like, okay, so you all believe this is, this is real. And mm-hmm. they said, yeah, we do. Yeah, we think that, you know, you've got an advantage because you're white. And I said, okay. So when does white privilege begin? They said, from birth. I said, interesting. I said, so if Barack Obama's kids, they were born, he's the president, he's got millions, he's got protection for life. I said, but a white family, the parents are addicted to crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. The baby's addicted to crack upon birth, mm-hmm. born in a shithole. Mm-hmm. Who's got the privilege from birth? Mm-hmm. You can't use that example because he's the president. And I said, well, how did he get there? And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, do you agree that America is racist? Is that what you think? They said, yeah, we do. I said, right. I said, how did he become president then? Yeah. Because more white people had to vote for him than black. And it kind of blew their mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. They were like, well, we can't really argue this we other than that. that's an extreme example. And I said, no, I know it's an extreme example. That's the point. Yeah. That's the whole point. I do believe that people have privileges, but I don't think it's based on your skin colour. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the further you get away from that victimhood mindset, the better off you will be. I know many, many, many black people that don't have that mindset and they've all got one thing in common, mm-hmm. success. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So what would be your one top tip for success? having the confidence to go for what you want. And that's mm-hmm. not a pun. That's not just a, a player with the, with the show. I really believe that. I yeah. think that if you believe that you can do something, even if you don't, think that you can. There's nothing that I've ever done where I thought I would lose. Nothing. Winning mentality. Yeah, well, it's not to say that I've been, I've reached the successes of, or the heights of success that I've always wanted. But when I said I wanted to be a singer, people told me to get a real job. And I said, no, mm-hmm. this is what I want to do. And I did it. And I still do it. Then it was, I want to be a DJ. Oh, come on. Okay, cool. I'm still going to do it. Mm-hmm. Then it was, I want to be a politician. Really? Are you really going to do that? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got involved and I did it. It's, and then it was like, right, I want to I work in TV. And slowly but surely, 
I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't reached that height where I can say that I am on TV as a regular, but I'm on TV yep. enough that people know about it. Yep. So it's, I'm not, it's having, like, again, what, what right do I have to say that I want to be on TV? Well, why not? Well, you know, some people that are on, that work in these TV channels have been to universities. They've been, they come from certain backgrounds. I'm from a council estate in Barking. <laughs> so do you see what I'm saying? You have yeah. that level of like, this is the standard. Where do you fit in this? And I don't believe in that. I think that if you want to go for something, just go just for don't it. Don't do it. The worst you can be told is no. But like you said at the beginning, that you're no worse off than you are now. No, no. And I think that's brilliant. I think most people, if they try, they'd be surprised at how much success they can have just by trying. Yeah. Like I said, I've never failed at anything I've wanted to do. Yeah. I may not be, as, as I said, at the height that I wanted to reach, mm-hmm. but I haven't been unsuccessful yeah. at it. And you're doing it. Yeah. And you're enjoying it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So would you say you're happy? I would say that I'm, I'm happy because I have security of what I'm doing. I think I'm fortunate. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think many people have... I'm trying to find my words here now. I think a lot of people don't have... Well, like we said earlier, if you think about people don't want to speak out because I've got bills to pay, I don't want to lose my job. I was trying to remember something that my friend told me, yeah. which was that people have to be open to, to success. I think people shut themselves off mm from being successful because of how they think about themselves. Like your self-esteem, your your self-image, the way you think about yourself when you get up in the mirror and look in, look in the mirror in the morning, mm-hmm. it's that will set you back without, it's, limit, it's limiting. You're going to have to scrub this as well because I'm stuttering over the place No, here, but, but it's not. It's the, the, people have limiting beliefs yeah. and that's part of what I do. You're talking about the self-belief and you know the, their self-confidence that it's been scrubbed out. Yeah. Because of the way that we're indoctrinated to go to school, to go to university, to get your job and, and pay bills and pay taxes and, mm. and all of this. But when you step out of that and you look at yourself in a different way, you start to believe in yourself more. And the more you do something, the better you get. Mm. So you have to go and get out there and, and make these things happen because mm. no one's going to do it for you. No, they're not. They're not. Mm. When people realise that, I notice they become happier. One of my best friends, he owns a um, hair transplant consultancy. And when he first started, he didn't think it would be successful because he's always tried things which haven't quite worked out. Right. Now, he was a singer like me, and he was done with it. He was so tired of doing the circuit yeah. and, and performing in pubs and clubs and everything else that he said, I really want to go for this. I've met this guy who runs a surgery. I'm going to become his booker, yeah. if you like. And um, I said, are you sure you want to do this? Even I was not trying to put him off. I was just trying to say to him, this geezer sounds a little bit, mm. I don't know if I would trust him. Right. But then again, I didn't know the guy. I never met the guy, so I don't know. And I said, oh, I, don't know if, I don't know if this is a risk worth taking. He ignored me. He ignored other people that made him feel a little bit cautious. Yeah. And he's by far, you know, one of the most successful consultancies in the country. Nice. And he's done that in the past five or six years. And that's just because he said, I'm going to do it I'm anyway. Do it. I'm just going to do it. You have to believe in yourself. Yeah, and he yeah. did. And he did. And sometimes he's one of those guys that likes to humble himself, and I don't like that. He says, oh, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I've, I'm earning this much, and I've got this invested, and blah, 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 blah. 
and I say, okay, cool. Um, that's, that's really good. You're really proud of yourself. And he says, yeah, well, it ain't, it ain't, you know, it's not all that. I said, Michael, I said, you do realize how far you've come, right? You, you do understand that. He's like, yeah, but you know, I, d- I don't want to let it get to my head. But, you don't have to let it get to your head, but you should celebrate your success yeah. and congratulate yourself, yeah. pat yourself on the back for from something that, you know, you might not have believed in in the beginning and that you're making something of it. I yeah. think that's something, that is something to be proud of. But he, he's a wonderful example of um, following through even in doubt. Yeah. So I think you need to own the doubt, like crush it. If you've got doubt, just crush it. Yeah. That's what he did. And I look at him and I go, bro, you've done it. Like you've absolutely made it. Like nice. you've done really well for yourself. And uh, I'm proud of him for that. Good. You know, it's great that you did that. So, so that's amazing. Mm. So would your one top tip for people to increase their confidence, what would that be? To crush the doubt or something else? I, w- I would say crushing doubt is yeah. a good one. I like that. It's a good one, yeah. I think that that doubt, it's, um, it's debilitating to some people. It's like it kind of makes you feel self-aware because you're afraid of what other people might say for trying, what they might say if you fail, mm-hmm. or what some people might even say when you succeed. Because you still get haters when you succeed. Yep. So I think the fear of failure is where the doubt comes in. And I just mm. think, if you don't try, you failed anyway. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it will live in your mind. Yeah. That failure will be there. I wish I'd done this. I wish yeah. I'd done that. Yeah. Fuck getting to the end of your life thinking that. Yeah. I always think, go go out and try. If you, if you don't try, you never know. Yeah. So on that note, I think we should close this up close nicely. Off. Yeah. So where can people follow you and find you and what would you like what would you like them to know you for? What would I like people to know me for? Yeah. Being a free thinker that likes to party. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. the best way to put it. A free thinker that likes to party. Yeah. So if you just search me up, Charlie yeah. Sansom, you can find me pretty much on every network, but I don't really go on Facebook too much, so I'll just skip that one. Yeah. You know. Twitter and Instagram is where I spend most of my time. And yeah. uh, Well, we'll put all the links in the show notes and stuff. Yeah, and cool. on the YouTube channel when it when it, when the video comes out, because I've got video now. Got video now. Got video now. You. <laughs> Upgrading. Moving up in the world. That's it. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you very, very much for joining us on the podcast. I very much enjoyed con- <laughs> having a conversation with you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm so glad to meet you, actually. Yeah, Yeah, you too. No, it's been really good. So make sure that you listen, subscribe, download, do all of that, um, and follow Charlie, which is that one. Thank you very, very much for listening. Bye.